Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. My grief counselor died recently. He was so good, I didn't even care. <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> Huh? See, because he was a grief counselor. No, oh. I, no, no, I, 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 <laughs> you get it. Just checking. Oh Sometimes I'm just going to check. You get it, you know. Sometimes I'm not sure if you do. You know. I I do get it. I do get it, and I did like it. <laughs> but, <laughs> however, Nate, he doesn't no, no, like no. the fact that he liked it. He's hurt. he's disappointed in himself. I feel I like yes. he was trying to not laugh at that, and then that made him laugh a little bit more. Yes, you fine, both like, read just, me correctly. Let it let it out. <laughs> Let it out. It's a joyful time, you know? Very <laughs> Christmas-ish, kind of. Uh, oh, well, there were so many Christmas trees up in Brazil. I do feel like it is Christmas. I've already got my first Christmas tree up. Ah, oh, you're one of those people. I think December... It's got to be December. He's, so he's... It's got to be in December. Like, you can't start in November. No. Was that um, made of... I... Nobody could that? see that. Felt. Barreto did just it was grab felt... his Christmas tree and try and shake it, and it... Oh, we have hit some... <laughs> Medlin's, we've lost, Medlin's we've lost Medis. Medlin was so upset him. with the tree, he's gone. <laughs> he's frozen in, in mid-air. What well, happened? while we try to wait till he comes back... Yeah, um, what's, what's, yes, my score? what's my score? It was, uh, it was a 9.7, Nate. Oh, wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's my challenge. I was expecting like, a, like an 8.8 or something. No, I liked wow. it. It was definitely of the quality of a 9. Wow. I really liked it, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a 10, you know, hence the decimal point, but um, I, like I really this. enjoyed you're, it. You're really using this, this decimal point system <laughs> to your advantage now. I feel like it's, there was, there was some shakiness to begin with. I wasn't sure where you were like, because every week you were like, that is a 9.1. And I was like, I'll just give it a 0.1 every time. But no, that, that I, I'll take that. That's very good. One of my highest in a long time. One, one so, of your highest for a long time. But also, Nate, I think some things that played in your favour... You didn't tell me you Googled them beforehand, even if you did. Yeah, you, 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 <laughs> no, you delivered it beautifully. No, I, I learned. I got slapped on the wrist, both wrists, by both of you last week, and I, I won't be doing that for at least another week. <laughs> so, <laughs> and the other, the, the, and the other thing, what was the other thing that you said? Um, that you delivered it beautifully. Oh yeah, delivery was pretty good, and I didn't practice yeah. it straight off the cuff. Well, off the cuff, I there mean, obviously go. knew the joke beforehand, but yeah. um, okay. but yeah, good. Well, it's there good go. to it's good to know. What a great way to start the show. Welcome to the Padhock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, F1 correspondent and presenter. I'm Chris Medford, F1 correspondent and racer. Addy Soldier. I'm Nate Saunders, general editor at ESPN. 
So there was a bit of tension there because I wasn't sure whether Medlin had kicked back in with his internet, whether he's going to say anything. And it's a bit of a delay, which is kind of funny on my end anyway. I don't know if it's the same for you, Lawrence. So this is going to be an interesting. And Meadows is at one of the most the poshest hotels in Abu Dhabi, and his internet connection is ropey. I can't believe it. There's a reason for that. Uh, It's because I'm sitting outside on the balcony overlooking the track, trying to be cool, but it means that Wi-Fi doesn't quite stretch far enough. And I've got that really annoying like problem of inside the hotel room is pretty damn cold because the aircon just won't stop working, basically. <laughs> but outside it's lovely and warm. So I want to sit outside, but then I lose you guys. So I might actually relocate during this pod. I might fight my way in through a very heavy glass door. Do it. I think that'd be a great listening experience for everyone. <laughs> Medland clattering through a, a, glass win- a glass door. Also... I, I have stayed in that hotel many times. I agree. Those doors are unnecessarily heavy. And also, you can very much get trapped on the balcony. Don't do that, Midland. This is great chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fantastic Well, chat. and I'll paint the picture, and then I will fight with the door. So I'm overlooking the final sector, like the two left-handers. So the second one's where Latifi shunted last year. And uh, they've just put up some sponsorship advertising on the bridge over the hotel or between the two hotel buildings over the track uh we had a yacht reverse into the harbour a bit ago and send off a foghorn that was fun and i think i saw sebastian vettel running the track about half an hour ago but i'm not certain it was him so <laughs> Greg. that's that's that Greg. oh it's dark and the floodlight's on and it looks cool so there you go it was either sebastian vettel or just a cool. blonde guy <laughs> yeah just a generic blonde man um, uh, i'm not though. sure how much we learned from that date I think uh, you know. I would say of all the things I've learned in my life, that probably is on the lower end <laughs> of of things that have been learned. But hey, I mean, you know, at least we learned that there's balconies in in the uh, in the Aspirina Hotel, which is pretty cool. I have to say, I've never stayed in there myself. I'm not as baller as you two, but it does look amazing. Like as a as a place to actually sit and watch cars, because I think people do that, don't they, for testing? You can actually sit, yeah, like, for the tire test and cars come underneath you which is pretty amazing um but i imagine for the race like imagine being there last year and like for all that going down i'm not sure if it would have been better to watch probably been better to watch on tv you'd think wouldn't you like with everything that happened you probably i think if you were trying to keep yeah i think if you were trying to stay on top of the nuances of what was going on in the race you definitely would have wanted to have a tv at least nearby um but it's a pretty oh we've lost medlin wow, <laughs> oh well it's now two-man show so we'll just carry on. I don't know what I, I don't know what he was doing. Like he knew he knew the internet was going to be ropey. He knew like he literally said I knew I took I took the choice where we're doing a podcast on Wi-Fi. I'm going to sit where the, the Wi-Fi is less. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Let's just, let's, let's 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 power through. He'll come back. He'll come back. We can, we can chastise him. I just unbelievable. Absolutely. This was the most meddling. Thing oh, to it do. was. If people are, people are listening to this, like this is. This is classic. He might not even listen to this when he's editing it back. I don't even know. But he had two options in front of him. Two options. One of them was, it's going to be slightly cold. I can put a jumper on and I can, I can record inside professionally. Or I can sit on a balcony where I know the Wi-Fi is broken. Oh, man. Brilliant. Absolutely. It, it is. It is. The, the leaps of logic that Chris takes are fantastic. It's, uh, uh, it is brilliant. It is absolutely great. Um, gutted not to be going out there this week. Um, tell me what are you what are you most looking forward to? Because for people listening, Abu Dhabi is is I know the racetrack's not the best, but as a as a venue, 
it can be quite fun, right? To to be out there. It does it has an end of school kind of end of school year kind of vibe to it, doesn't it, every year? Yeah, definitely. I was talking to people in Brazil and they were saying how much they used to love Brazil being the final race of the season. Yeah, because I it, can totally just, get that actually. It delivers like, epic races, doesn't it? And it's such yeah. a great carnival atmosphere. But actually, to be fair to Abu Dhabi, um, we've been going there now for the last race for a fair few years now. And it's a really nice venue, like you said. Um, location's great. Everyone's in a like holiday mood. The weather's always good. Um, the facility is great. I know the circuit hasn't always delivered the closest racing, but they made some changes, didn't they, to the track? And we, we obviously did. had that classic last year. And so I've got higher hopes that this will be a, it'll be a, a stronger end to this year. Mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm, I mean, I'm back for 24 hours in the UK while we're recording this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so I'm heading out tomorrow, but I can't, I'm looking forward to it. There he is. Meadows is back. We definitely didn't roast you when you were away, Meadows. <laughs> we definitely didn't. So you never, you never do, do you? You're no. always polite. Yeah, it's all fine. It's all good. So we're just talking about uh, Abu Dhabi. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? Cause I'm not going to be there, obviously. So what are you most looking forward to about the weekend? won't be as dramatic as 21 but um what is it about yas marina that you like the most or oh, will it um it i won't. love the wi-fi <laughs> the wi-fi is great yeah um I don't famously know, really. famously it's better inside than outside <laughs> you sound outside. so good now Medlin. you do you know, and the, the connection's great it's fantastic hope the aircon's nice and chilly it's a bit fresh and is it echoey i can hear myself echoey it's echoey in here anyway um I'm going to really annoy you, Nate, but probably the thing I'm most looking forward to is karting on Thursday. I knew, I knew it was going to be that. But to be fair, that is a good track. Uh, yeah. I've done that one before, and I beached it in the gravel one year. I remember to the, to the chagrin of many people because it it limited our time by a good five minutes while they like fished me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Manat, who's uh, one of the German journalists and takes karting very seriously, was like actually very angry with me he was like Nate you ruined you ruined my best lap I was like I'm sorry mate I didn't, I didn't mean to I just just spun off like he's like why, why did you spin off there I was like I'm not very good I'm not very good Christian that's why I'm just not very or good at was it. it on purpose oh, <laughs> ruined his lap yeah I he's mean... five months later he you'll never guess what he did <laughs> 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 he did something bad um, um Medland and I had uh, lunch at Alpine at the weekend and a large chunk of the time spent over lunch, uh, thanks to the train horn again, um, <laughs> friend of the show, um, was that uh, Medland spent a great deal of time talking about the karting. God, because, I can, uh, we imagine, I can literally imagine that. I can <laughs> exactly. imagine nothing else came up. So we were meeting the new head of comms, Mario, lovely guy, uh, stepping in for Lucy. Who to be fair, if you're going to talk karting to anyone, a guy called Mario... <laughs> oh god! <laughs> oh god! Another nine point seven. I'll take it. Uh, but there's a, <laughs> but he does at least have a good reason for it. Because if Medlin wins this race, Medlin will be driving a Formula One car. Ugh, like mm. how significant that is, is that? Cool. that is, I, I mean, that is quite that is incredible. Can, yeah, give so some can... context. But it's a competition I've been doing all year, and I've I've managed to miss every <laughs> round that they've done this. Not that I would have been a contender, but um. I've not been could around. Have been for someone. I could have. I could have been somebody. What was it? Reverend of the Makers. That's what I was going with there. Could have been a contender. No, nobody else. I think it's on the waterfront, isn't it, Marlon Brando? Well, no. I was thinking of. Well, could have been a contender. I could have been a someone caught up in a rat race, feeling like a no one. Oh yeah, that's heavy, yeah. heavyweight champion of the world. Anyway. 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 <laughs> After that segue, um, I need to find. 
uh, Alpine did send an email round inviting us to the karting uh, and asking for everyone to respond if they want to do it. And it had the standings on it, right? And you said if I win, I get to drive an F1 car. But if I win and Stephanie Cox is second, I will miss out by two points. Oh. So wow. you need someone so to help need... you then? Yeah. So it's not going to happen. Well, she's a former racing racing driver as well, so current racing driver, yeah, professional racing driver. Races in Asian Le Mans. Okay, well, I mean, if you do win, that's pretty impressive, uh, and I will actually let you talk about it if you do get a Formula One. Oh yeah, definitely. Cool. Uh, but um, but yeah, there's is how many people could get the how many people are in the running for the Formula One test? That could be that could be more exciting than the actual Sunday Grand Prix itself. Um, t- technically, four of us. Nice. Um, pretty good. Because there's Stephanie's on 60 points. I'm second on 51. Pob, Philip Horton, is third on 41. And Go Albert Fabrega is fourth on 38. So he needs a big old switch. He needs to like win and have the rest of us not really finish. But um, he could. That's kind of like, that's a bit, that's got 2010 vibes to me. You've got three who are close. And then you've got like Lewis Hamilton, basically mathematically, he's in all the pictures, but he knows he's not going to win it. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, to be <laughs> fair, because Lewis so, was twenty-five points behind, wasn't he in twenty ten? Going to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, he needed he needed chaos, didn't he? Yeah, absolute chaos. History. But I'm but gonna. Yeah, I'm, I was gonna say while there's a brief respite, I'm gonna draw a line under the go karting okay. and talk about a very exciting race that happened this weekend Ooh. in Brazil. And Ooh. I do hope that we have got the only review that matters. We do. It, we, it, we 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 have it. It is sent in the group. I I definitely didn't do it moments before we went live. And this is just a Grand Prix review, right? No sprint chat. Just the race, yeah. If you've only got one minute to spare, wanna know who finished when and where? Sit back, relax, cause we got you here's Nate with the sixty second review. Hello, welcome to a very makeshift uh, sixty second review. Hopefully, it's a good one. Here we go, in Trez, Dos, one. First position was Russell George, new race winner, congratulations. Welcome to the winner's circle. Second, Lewis Hamilton. I mean, I don't think he was actually pushing at the end, but don't at me. Third place, Carlos Sainz, fourth position, not a happy bunny, not a happy camper, Charles Leclerc. Uh, thought he should have been higher, probably. Maybe Ferrari should have let him pass, who knows. I often rip on Fernando Alonso, but fifth position, that was pretty special. He's pretty damn good, isn't he? Sixth position, a vital sixth position for Max Verstappen. Absolutely crucial, uh, you know, key, key result for Max. Sixth place, really important. Uh, and probably, you know, has, has turned his championship completely around. Uh, you know, very, very big, very, very important. Uh, Perez, you know, in seventh, but did the right thing and let Max through for sixth. Oh, wait, sorry. No, I've got that wrong. I've got that the wrong way around. But, you know, anyway, Ocon was eighth. He's French. Ninth, Bottas. He's Finnish. And tenth, Lance Stroll was there and he, and he had a point. So that's fun. That's the top ten. Don't have time for anything else. Bye. Well, <laughs> Yeah, so I got a bit bogged down by the Max, the Max thing. The thing. Well, it was um, quite a thing, though. It was quite, it was a, quite thing. a thing. It was if things, if, if, if you were rating things, this would be a top thing. <laughs> This is a 10. Year. I mean, this if is, I was rated it, this is a 10. This is the thing of the year, isn't it? The on-track thing. Not the other thing. Well, the off-track thing was also a Red Bull thing. But this is an on-track thing. And it's also a Red Bull thing. 
interesting that Mercedes get a one-two and everyone's still talking about Red Bull at the end of the race. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is funny, isn't it? But I did, I did think that myself. Um, although, when Max won his first race in 2016, I remember everyone was talking about Mercedes because that's True. when Lewis and Lewis and so you know it does happen like that sometimes, doesn't it? So what but, you're yeah. saying, it's only fair, is what you're saying. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying it's payback time. Uh, <laughs> That's no, what Max was thinking. That, that was. Actually, that, he, he didn't care about reasons. The, this Monaco thing. He was like, no, 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 don't care about that. Let's ruin their one, too. Let's ruin it. Uh, yeah, if you ask him for his reasons, he will explain that it was. It goes back to that. <laughs> he just didn't feel he got enough enough coverage. What is the longest that either of you guys have held a grudge for? And was it five months and 15 races? I'm honestly not sure I've ever held a grudge. I don't think you have Definitely. either, actually. I've, I haven't. <laughs> ended it yet oh, <laughs> oh, oh hello well t- tell us more i can't because that would would that not be the end of the grudge yeah that would well no you're thinking yeah. of i don't think that's how grudges work i think you can talk no, about grudge. you could yeah you could know you could mean say the grudge exists a grudge doesn't mean it stops existing it means if it means it's out there it means have you heard about madeline's grudge against fill in the blank nate saunders <laughs> blankety blank well, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it as uh, as unconfirmed. I'll let the the rumours swirl. <laughs> but, how, so how, but how long's it run? How long's it run for? I don't know yet. It's not finished. No, up until <laughs> when does it start? <laughs> yeah, until it's can't, can't give you this info. It'll be it'll be too obvious. I'll let you. What was Max said? I'll let you decide. I'll let you that. decide. Yeah, yeah, with a big grill on his face. Um, I don't know if I buy the Monaco suggestion that's going around uh i think it's incredibly far-fetched that perez would have intentionally crashed there's no way uh, he did that <clears throat> he just didn't do that the story doesn't make sense right because a you've got to assume he intentionally crashed even if he did he doesn't doesn't then go and admit it to his two bosses and say i intentionally no. crashed so that ferrari could um lock out the front row at the circuit that's the hardest to overtake on i just don't buy it if that's the reason it does seem like that's the reason that Max that Max didn't let him pass. I think it's crazy. It's insane. In a cost cap era, where if you damage the car, that's really yeah. going to piss your team off even more than normal. With the way he went in and and shunted, like the risk of getting himself a grid penalty that then would have ruined his own race. Um, I I don't see it either. But it just seems to have a lot of legs at the moment. So I don't quite get yeah. how it's got there. And there's look, there's some quite impressive work going on. Um, from some people like analysing every sort of sound from the throttle or looking at the throttle maps and stuff. But they don't do that for every single instance that's ever happened because yeah. obviously the throttle map will not look good for a crash because you've done something wrong. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't know. Um, but yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if that actually has any legs to it or something that happened around Monaco has legs to it because um, clearly it's... Um, it, it's like Max wouldn't deny it, but it just makes no sense. Like, like you say, I just I can't believe he would risk that. Well, it's and I think the key thing is whether it's true or not is that Max believes it to be true clearly. Mm. So I think that that seems to be the like the key point from it is that I don't think it's true. And you're right about all these like internet sleuths that we have these days. There's people like, look, Perez's steering wheel at this frame is like slightly to the left. Like not understanding how like understeer and oversteer work and how cars can step out on a driver and stuff like that like i never get when people look at steering wheel inputs and outputs like because it's never 
it's never a case that you're 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 100 driving the direction that the car is going sometimes you're correcting a, a snap or whatever um so yeah i just think I, I don't know it just seems it seems like it was put out there to just i don't know just to like destabilize perez or to like like everyone's talking now about like did perez intentionally like do it and there's no evidence to suggest that he's that kind of driver no. so i think it's i just I, I think it's crazy for a guy that's helped max that much um and has played the number two role brilliantly even if they don't call it number two role he has played that role um and yeah it's just so disrespectful to him disrespectful to horner disrespectful to the team like the team have given him this record-breaking car this year and max is amazing that's not you know that's i'm not saying it's only because of the car but like car the car has helped <laughs> the car has helped him win so i don't know just um absolutely crazy just on that as well like it could well be red bull's partly red bull's fault that this all kicked off because max said he told them he yeah clearly that's true. told them and his radio message had last summer and i don't know if, because obviously he's speaking in english but dutch is his first language whether he meant the summer we've just had or the summer before that but whenever it was, he, he says he told them he would never do it. So they did then put him in the position to have to make a decision. You know, is he going to stand by what he said to them or is he going to obey the order? Which you could then say, well, Red Bull instigated him then having that reaction. But like you said in that review, it's over sixth. Like, yeah, I give it's first position. I, I, yeah. I get it. You know, it's like, oh, that's a win. It's a record. Like you earn wins, but like sixth position. Come on. Like that's two points. With the title done title done and you're helping you're meant to be helping your teammate against ferrari like i just don't there's nothing that makes sense about it nothing at all say save it for when it matters yeah for that for that moment when like you're being told you're not allowed to overtake him for a win early next season or something if that happens then ignore them do the seb um with multi 21 but when it's when there's it it just kind of seemed a strange way to use the card up the only thing i can actually say about that as i talk it out is that you could argue he did it at a time where it had very little bearing on what was going on in terms of you know so with Checo it was only two points that cost him their level on points going into the final race um it it wasn't you know stealing a win from Checo something like that and he made the point and and kind of you know it blows up now it'll probably be a big talking point for the next few days and then the season will finish and it will die down over the winter maybe becomes less of an issue than if say it was early next season and he nicks a nicks a win from him and then Checo's livid and, and they completely fall out. I don't know. I'm interested to see how Checo is going to react to this though, because <clears throat> he was clearly frustrated. Um it clearly hurt it clearly hurt him. And I think he's gone there and I think he always knew that he would have to play a slightly second fiddle role just because of the performance differential between them. But I think he does also feel like if he's done all of like we've said, he's done all of that helping for something so small. I think it was different if, you know, when Carlos and Charles, and Charles asked twice, I think, if they could swap positions. I think it's different even for a podium to give up a podium um, for that. Um, I thought it was interesting, actually, that Ferrari didn't even ask Carlos to do it. Like, they just, they kind of managed it in that way and probably yeah. a cleaner, cleaner and, way of doing it. And they were helped that Perez was behind Leclerc as well. Like, it was like, he's gaining points anyway. So I feel like they were like, look, like, it's okay. Like, you're going to gain on him as it stands, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think that I think Checo because we've seen this year, it takes him a bit for time to get over things like this. Yeah. So so even if this is the last race, I still don't think the winter's going to be enough time for him to get over. Because <laughs> if anything, I think it's going to stew over the winter, and then mm. they'll they'll probably have all sorts of conversations. But I I do wonder now. He's going to have to wonder whether 
what anyone says can he take it at face value now like yeah. that's what i'm interested in and he's come to the end of his career he's obviously got this longer slightly longer term contract red bull so he knows that to an extent he's got to play the game in some points but also it's the end of his career now and he can probably afford to take a few more risks yeah and i think i found it really interesting that red bull handled it the way they did like horner came out didn't they after and was like no we've talked about it it's all fine and max is going to help Checo and abu dhabi and i was just like I mean, there's, there was no like public criticism of Max after, despite the fact that it was completely warranted and everyone would have totally understood that. And I feel like now, even if Max does help Perez to to second in Abu Dhabi, you know, I don't I don't think he will. Like, I, I feel like asking Max to move over is just like against his DNA. Then this clearly kind of suggests that. Um, but I, if I was Perez, I'd be like, why did you make it so difficult in the first place? And I think that the radio message after the race from Perez, what was it? He said um, he showed who he really is. I think that was really yeah. telling. Because I know those are said in the heat at the moment, but that is going to linger with Perez for a long time. I think, like when it came down to it, when he had to do me, like he had to do me like the smallest of favors, he didn't even budge. And then he did it. Like maybe he does it in Abu Dhabi when it's like, oh, like you know, Red Bull expected him to. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting. And next year, I think Max is going to need Checo's help at some points because I think it's going to be mm-hmm. much closer. Especially if Red Bull can't develop that car, you know, especially if Ferrari and Mercedes are able to kind of keep the season up. Um, so it'll be really interesting. And I'd love it if Perez turned around and was like, nah, next year, like there's a moment. And he's like, you know what? I helped him. I let him win in Spain. You know, I helped him, you know, I helped him massively in Qatar and Abu Dhabi last year or in 21, as it will be then. Um, so yeah, just t- tells him where to go. And like you say, like Lawrence, what's he got to lose? Like at the end of his career, he's like, fine, <laughs> get rid of me if you need to, but I'm not helping the guy. And he also genuinely thinks he can win the championship. Mm. I think a lot of racing drivers talk about, you know, they, they enter the sport, they want to win, but he, genuinely thinks he can do i think he's seen enough things this year to make him think that he can so if at the start of the year he gets a few runner results in his favor and he thinks he's got the stronger chance then he's gonna he's gonna do what's best for him he's that's what he's gonna yeah. do and i think yeah, it's yeah. really interesting what you just said nate about <clears throat> the threat from everyone else george and lewis are pretty much on par at the moment in terms of pure performance so if they're gonna get in the mix and one of the red bulls isn't kind of competing at the right level they can't afford for Checo not to, or Max, for them not to work together. They just won't be able to afford that next year. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting point, actually. This is far too serious, this chat. <laughs> Isn't it? Formula well, I was about to say, I was about to say, fair play to George Russell. Like, let's actually talk about Mercedes, because that was pretty epic performance from him across the weekend. So I managed, to, I managed to get um, a little interview with him in the pit lane after the race. So I'd kind of done I saw that. Live you, radio got, you, show. you got hijacked by Red Bull's favorite journalist, didn't you? Ted <laughs> yeah, I did. So <laughs> I was um, I was kind of like a bit annoyed that I hadn't done a very good job of um, getting interviews live. And then I thought, wandered out into the pit lane to see what was going on. And Merck were doing their like celebration photos and spraying champagne and stuff. And um, nice. yeah, they're having a good old party out there. And then I mean, you could hear the crowd anyway, making a lot of noise, but they the crowd couldn't see them because the track's below the pit lane at that point. So they couldn't see up there. And George then went over to the pit wall to like salute them. The noise was incredible. It was so loud. I've never heard anything like it. Um, and then Lewis went and joined him. It got even louder. It was just amazing. But as George came back, obviously in the right place at the right time, managed to like uh, grab a couple of questions to him. And then, yeah, Ted stuck his mic in and camera to um, pick up the second answer, I think. And then um, as George walked off, he interviewed him a bit longer. But he, st- he was covered in stank champagne, like absolutely drenched. But he was clearly loving it i don't think he cared about you know 
being overshadowed by Red Bull or whatever. Like what mattered to him is he was he'd won the race and he was celebrating with his team. Like that was all that he cared about. And then what was funny though was post race. You guys might have heard it as well. In the press conference, he got asked how he was going to celebrate, and he said he'd just been chatting to Carlos about it, and they were on the same flight direct to Dubai, uh, and it's like a fifteen-hour flight. So they were saying they were um, going to sort of celebrate on the plane, and Carlos was like, "Yeah, drinks are on me." And George's like, well, aren't they free on the flight? And he's like, yeah, that's why they're on me. Um, but the then I was on that flight with them coming over here, except I never saw George. So uh, Jess saw Carlos when we were getting bags. We saw Charles on it, uh, Pierre, I say on it, like getting on it and getting off it because they were in first class. Um, it was Charles, Pierre, Fernando, uh, who else was there? Uh, Alex Albon. Uh, I'm forgetting someone else as well. There was, there was a lot. And... Uh, a bunch of team bosses and stuff so they could have had a heck of a party on it but i i'm wondering if george even made it or if their party <laughs> kicked off too much in brazil and they yeah, they came later it sounds suspiciously like he didn't make the flight he had to make some later <laughs> yeah. arrangements he's like guys get me yeah. on a different flight i oh, need some need some time in bed um but also what was great about that win you know first wins are always kind of special anyway but like completely on merit like every yeah. single part of it you know sprint race brilliant the race itself was fantastic i think the only you know the only like blot on it was spinning out of qualifying but really like that in a weird way like really helped him because it put him in a good position for the sprint but from that point on he was fantastic so yeah i, I totally I forgot was... he did that yeah same <laughs> it, it was only like so much happened like with k-mag getting the pole and then i looked back at it and i was like that was a pretty i'm not saying he did it intentionally but sometimes like bad moments like that it's like all right well you know let's make it let's make it a good moment yeah, I know you're looking at me, man. It's like, say something. In five, in five months, Lewis doesn't move over for George. And it's like, <laughs> it was all on Brazil. Him and Max, him and Max become unlikely friends. Well, because that's what happened with Multi-21, wasn't it? Was that it was Weber's start in 2012. In Brazil. shut the door on Vettel into turn one. That's yeah, right, in the yeah. title decider. And Seb had to back out of it, lost a few more places, and then got hit a few corners later. And he always felt, yeah, Mark put me in jeopardy. It's his fault. So he remembered that. And it was only two races later, but it was a whole season later in Malaysia. He was like, well, screw this then. I'm not doing, not helping yeah. him and letting him win. It's funny, isn't it? And I think Lawrence is so right about that off-season. Like, you've got so much time to just sit and stew over stuff. So Make plans. Yeah, and also... Even plans. And also, I think the repetition of coming back to the paddock, like, must ease some of that because you come back to the paddock and, like, you know, after a while, you're like, oh, I've done this a bit now. I'm, you know, I'm less angry. But you don't see people for a while. Those things can build up. So, Multi-21 is a really good example. Um, and then Vettel didn't he? He basically doubled down on it at the next race and was like, "No, Weber didn't deserve to win." Like he, he was yeah. like, "I don't even, I don't, even, I'm not even pretend that I did it by mistake or whatever." I just, just didn't think he deserved to win. I actually, in a weird way, like I gained respect for Vettel doing that because he didn't, he didn't BS about it. He was like, "No, I did it, and I'd do it again." And I thought, yeah, yeah. like fair play. Like if you're gonna do it, that's the thing with Max that I, I kind of was frustrating, but he didn't own any of it really. He said, "Yeah, no, um, I explained my reasons," and it's like explain them them on the table like let let people yeah. decide like be like front up about it and actually say and i think i would have even if the reasons are complete nonsense i would have been like all right like he said it and he's put it out there but he didn't so back to george Bretto. sorry yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> i'm just i'm just ranting i very the- much enjoyed that segue though so that was uh that was nice um i thought that george was mega all weekend i thought his sprint performance actually was the better one because rarely have we seen anyone overtake a red ball on pure performance this year i know max was struggling but 
that aside, I thought the way they battled in that race was really good. I thought Max gave him plenty of space. George gave him plenty of space. I thought it was a really nice battle. Very different to the battle that Lewis and Max had uh, on, on race day. They need to take the ba- the, the magnets out of Max and Lewis's cars, don't they? <laughs> yeah, because there's just those two guys like incapable of racing cleanly against each other. Like I I find it really fascinating. I think that if that's anyone else like it's not lewis or it's not max the other one they don't hit i just think no, that's, that's co- the way yeah like, i don't think that would happen. exactly on that then question penalty right or wrong i was annoyed it was a penalty i felt that i don't know where max could have gone i think actually and so i'm gonna get a lot of abuse for this i think the penalty was fair because i think lewis was far enough ahead look i might well, unless you're the law right it was it was correct wasn't it because the wheels weren't ahead so i feel like yeah. in that sense probably i'm i'm wrong and there but like annoying i suppose yeah sorry <laughs> i suppose the way i look at it is if you think you're gonna crash do you care enough if you're gonna crash max knew and he said as much afterwards I knew that he was going to turn in. I wasn't going to give up. So what, like, it's good, yeah. there's going to be an accident. So if you are happy enough to have an accident, um, then fine, you're going to get that and you're probably going to get a penalty and you kind of just need to suck it up. I, I just kind of feel like in this particular scenario, the championship was done. Lewis was ahead. He could have had another go on another lap. Why did he, why did he do it? Why did he leave his nose in there? I just don't well, understand. Go on, Madis, you uh, go well, I think partly for the reason you just said, because championship's done, like he didn't need to yeah. worry, he didn't have anything to lose. And Max never changes, which is what I actually do quite like about it. It's like, you know, every single time what Max is doing in that situation, he is not backing out. Doesn't matter if the title's on the line, doesn't matter if it's not on the line, he is staying there. And I agree that when he said, oh, I, you know, I knew that he wasn't going to give me space after turn one, then he knew they were going to have an incident. And he was just trying to prove himself right, which is something that I always used to criticise Felipe Massa for. In was it 2011 when he kept colliding with Lewis, and they were they were like magnets at that point. The amount of times that it was kind of you're in a position where you might have an accident or not. Felipe had the high ground to say he was in the right, but also to let the accident happen and would rather the accident happened than avoid it. I kind of I always think that's a bit silly from a driver. And yeah, maybe Max then could have jumped out the way a bit, but. Uh, yeah. Also, you got to think it's probably setting a precedent if he did that next year. If Lewis is on it and we've got another a repeat of twenty one, basically, and they're both fighting for the title, then Max has kept that marker in the sand that he's like, I'm not going to move. And Lewis has done the same. He's like, Well, then I'm not going to open the door for you. So, yeah. uh, in a sense, I think it's perfect that they both did that and kept to what they've ended last year doing. But I think they both could also have been if they both gave a little bit more each, then you don't get an instant, which is why I say no penalty. I think it's racing instant. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think letter of the law wise, I, I get what Lawrence said as well, though. Like it was, um, it was a small penalty anyway, like five seconds, really when you're the fastest car or the second fastest car, like pretty insignificant. Yeah. Um, Cause Daniel got what Daniel got 10 for when he punted Yuki out in Mexico, yeah. didn't he? Yeah. And that was um, far more clumsy. Like that was like just a clumsy mm-hmm. move. Um, and he got three places for what he did for Magnussen as well. Right. So that was the same kind mm-hmm. of thing going yeah, into of course, a little gap yeah. that wasn't there. So and that's like a that's like a you know three three place grid that's like probably ten fifteen seconds. Well, no, actually, yeah, I don't know five seconds. I don't know like how it translates over, but it seems to seems to ring true. I think what I really like about those two, and I think there was so much talk about Silverstone last year, right? The, but the the thing with Silverstone that I, I always try and hammer home to people is that the reason that crash happened was exactly the same reason this this collision in Brazil happened. 
was because when Max sees Lewis in his mirrors or Lewis sees Max in his mirrors, they both are now like, I'm not giving that, like, I don't mm. like that guy. I'm not giving him the, the space. If, if it's Leclerc on the outside, if it's Sainz, like, Lewis is a bit wider to the corner or he's not pushed Sainz so wide. Like, it's just, it, it, the two of them, can't, I don't think, can race against each other like they race against other people. And I think that's why it made, like, that's why last year was so good, right? Because you had, to be honest, it was great. I think it, I think Lewis had to raise himself to, to Max's level when it came to overtaking. Not that he was worse, like better or worse than Max, but in terms of Lewis didn't have that mindset before of like, you're not coming, either we crash or you back out. Max has always had that, hasn't he? Like even when he was moving under braking and all that stuff and Vettel used to get annoyed and Raikkonen used to get annoyed. And Lewis basically got to a point where I think it was after Imola, right? When Max pushed him off at turn mm. one and Matt, like Lewis came back, apologized to the team and said, I'm never letting him do that again. And he never did. And I think that that's why like, it's been such a shame. All those times this year, like Silverstone, Zandvoort, when we thought we're going to get Max V. Lewis again, and it just turned out that, you know, it wasn't really a wheel-to-wheel fight. I think it's box office. So I actually, I'm glad they still race like that. I know it's, it's, not, the, it's not the prettiest thing to look at when two cars collide, but like I'd rather that than, than two drivers that give each other loads of space and are really respectful. Like, you know, Max and Charles at the start of the season, you know, were very pally, weren't they? And I was like, come on, guys. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. You know, you like especially with Charles, I was like, dude, like this guy, you've got to beat this guy at the championship. Like you can't be all friendly with him. I don't care if you are friendly with him. Like your mind has to switch around. You have to suddenly see this guy as like, this is the guy, this is my obstacle to the championship. I think Lewis thinks that about Max, whether it's true or not next year, we'll see. But um, I think that's why Max is, is, is as good as he is and why Lewis is as good as he is because that's how they race. So yeah, anyway, that's, that's quite a long, that's quite a long serious <laughs> preamble. So let me say something funny. Um, cars. No pressure. No, I know. Why well, do I put myself under pressure? This is terrible. I've got nothing to say. Uh, well, then you think of something while I asked Barreto what his highlight of Brazil was, because he was yeah. there and he was struggling with a bit of a cold yeah. and, and he's flown back to the UK before flying to Abu Dhabi. So that's going to help. Yeah. Uh, so, but what was your highlight? Oh, I'm starting to feel better, <clears throat> thankfully. Um, Good. My highlight was doing a track cycle with Felipe Massa on the Thursday of the race weekend. Like, I've interviewed Felipe quite a few times now. I've done track walks with him around Interlagos before. But every time I go out on a bike with him, sorry, every time I go out with him, it's always something different. Um, it's There's always something new to talk about. He's also just one of the nicest people, the fall on paddock. He's got really thoughtful insight, I think, into various things. He isn't one of those pundits who just says dramatic things or aggressive things or goes hard just so that he can get a, a news line. I think he's good. So yeah, that was probably my favorite thing, thing sorry, um, of the race weekend. And then the second good thing I did was I did the F1 Nation podcast. I'm going to plug another podcast on here with Tom Clarkson and Damon Hill on um, Sunday night after the race. And what I enjoyed about that was kind of like probably a little bit of what your show is, Meadows, when like you just walk around, you just grab people, have a quick chat to them, move on to the next thing. It's quite um, just see, you kind of just see what happens. And I really liked that because there's no planning involved. You kind of just grab who you can. Um, so like this show. <laughs> no planning. <laughs> well, yeah. just, just, just run in and do it. Um, that sounds great. And, and I remember last year, uh, Laz, you did you did a lot with Massa as well. As I remember you did it on that balcony mm -hmm. that overlooks the circuit. And I feel for him a bit because every year he goes there, he gets asked the same question, doesn't he, about yeah you know, about 2008. But he actually seems quite good at answering it now. I think he almost enjoys answering it and talking about how he was nearly world champion. Do you know what I mean? Like It's almost like he's become like, well, this is a thing now. This is what I'm looking for. <laughs> like, I was nearly world champion. It's not, it's not as good as being champ, but it's still something. It keeps him relevant, right? Like if he, if he had been... 
if he'd been neither of those things, neither been world champion or nearly world champion, you'd be like, oh, there's Felipe Massa over there, like, cool, like, good driver. But, like, Interlagos means so much to him and to his story that I think it's yeah. made him, it's made him like a, like, they, Sky did a great feature where he was interviewing Timo Glock uh, and then Timo interviewed Lewis, which was fantastic. Like, you know, you saw those two guys, you know, and, and Massa had never seen the onboard of Glock's lap until they showed it to him. And he was like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, fair play. Like, you probably didn't. He probably had no way of keeping those behind you. But he said, I've never seen it before. And I just thought it was, you know, it's like brand Massa now is like, yeah, I nearly won the championship, guys. So, <laughs> it's but, almost like he's actually, got over it, isn't it? And like, the pain is gone. Yeah, I think he's over and... it. And now he's like, this is actually pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, my, my, my dad and my brother, the idiots, they were celebrating. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not saying, like, it's, it's, it was still, like, heart-wrenching moment, but Massa's always come out of that so well. You yeah. know, the way he handled it. Handled so himself. I, so I think the fact that he can kind of dine off that moment, I think it's fair because, like him on that podium was always like a great moment of just losing with such dignity. So yeah, fair play to him. It's funny you should put it that way though. Um, and especially because um, Bretta, you've just kind of explained it diff- or like agreed with it. And you know him better um, with the stuff you've been doing. But Jess interviewed him while we were in Interlagos um, for an autosport feature. And she said she got the impression he was like so tired of it, of talking about it and was saying... Hmm. Like there was a point he was like, yeah, I did other things in my career. Like I am more than just the guy that did this. So I know what you mean. It kind of, there's times you can lean into it, but I think there's other times it's like, there, there were races I won as well, where I was like really good or um, I went through other things. You know, I had a, a whole career, not just one race in Interlagos. Jess um, should have, if Jess had a notepad with her, she should have like, op- like gone through like a few pages and then be like, yeah, yeah, hang on. Wait, just kept, just kept <laughs> yeah. turning them. Like, uh, uh, yeah. yes, 2010. That's what you want to talk about. Wasn't it? And, uh, <laughs> yeah. 2010. Oh, you, don't want, you, you don't want to do 2010. Okay, keep going through yeah. that. I, I'll skip 2009. Don't do that one. Uh, Singapore 2008. The fuel. <laughs> the fuel like there's yeah. there's a few moments in Massa's career that are always talked about. So yeah, like yeah, the 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 Fernando one as well. So maybe next time, Lawrence, you just be like, I'm not going to ask you these three things. Let's see what he does. And see what he says. Probably hug yeah. you. Probably just give me a big hug. <laughs> or he'll be like, you've got you better ask me about 2008. <laughs> in fact that's my just, thing i've trademarked 2008 now that's my it's my year i own it any any mention of it and i get i get money i get royalties well just before we wrap up i have a funny story i've just remembered about a different ferrari driver very yeah. short one but it was leaving a short Brazil. ferrari driver or a short story no uh, all, all drivers are well that, yeah they short, are they? quite short. most of them um so it was charles leclerc at the airport and he got mobbed when he was trying to go and drop his bag and check in. Then he got mobbed even more when he got to the security gate where you have to scan your boarding pass to go through. But then he got to where you put all your stuff in the tray and it goes through the scanners. He was at that security queue. and two. So we were only about five, six people behind him. And two fans that were on flights that had come through too pushed their way past us. We thought because they were late for a flight. No, it was to try and get selfies with Leclerc in the security queue, which Charles did, but you could see he's like, come on. But as soon as they'd done it, the uh, the second guy was trying to do his and he got it wrong and he's trying to do it again. And security came over and stopped them. It's like, you can't take photos in here. You're not allowed to take photos in this area. And made them delete the photos that they'd taken. Oh, my word. So, wow. so, so these, I mean, they still got to jump the queue because they then just went through with their own scanner stuff. So I was a bit miffed at that. But I actually found it as a, I thought it was a good bit of karma. Like, there's, yeah. there's a time and a place. And they 100%. could have done it through the other side but um yeah they, they got forced to delete their photos it is it is funny isn't it in our job you get you get to see drivers posing for so many selfies and you can totally tell when they just do not want to give one 
You know, they'll yeah. be they'll be walking from like they just crashed out of qualifying or they just had a bad. And someone's like, "Can I have a selfie?" And you like some of them will stop at least, but some will just keep walking but look at the camera. You know, I think Perez. I saw Perez doing that at one race. I think maybe it was Canada this year. Like he literally just kept walking and looked at the looked at the guy's camera, then walked off. I don't even know if the guy had time to like hit the <laughs> hit the photo button, but like they do get asked so many. So yeah, but that and and like I, I've heard stories of them being asked at like restaurants and stuff, and like. I'm sure there's there's probably been some horror stories like in a, at a urinal or something like that. Oh no! I've got another story. Sorry, and it's not a urinal one. Don't does, worry. I was going to um, say, did someone ask you for a selfie? You, I know that would be a good story, but I always, no, do. I, I always, do. I did. when I see matters at a urinal, I'm like, hey, <laughs> selfie time. <laughs> I did, I did get asked to do a couple of selfies when in Brazil actually, because we went to an event with um, Julianne Cerazzoli, who's worked with Banj, the TV company, and she puts on a big. Uh, event for some fans there so went there and did some photos and also leaving the paddock on sunday night after i finished recording some guy wanted a selfie but wanted me to be like making it look like i was interviewing him which is funny but it was uh gunter walking down the paddock and getting stopped all the time for selfies i think on saturday or maybe sunday morning uh and I, so i ran in front as well and went gunter gunter and pretended to do a selfie just to take the piss and he had a proper swing at me with his right foot. He, had a re- he tried to kick me out of the way. Like he found it funny, but he had a proper go. Jess was like, "If that had connected, you'd be, you'd have a good court case." Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought that was funny too because well, you, you'd have been the most unpopular man in F one if you if you tried to sue the stand, even if yeah. it was totally justified. We'd be like, "No, not having that, not having that." Good story all. for the pod, though, right? If I'd have been in legal, actually, no, I'd have to be like, "It's an ongoing court case." I yeah, guess. you wouldn't have been able to say anything. It would have been very frustrating. I feel the point at which it reached made it a good story. Anything yeah. beyond that would have been a yeah, less yeah, good story. Yeah. yeah. Well, a great note to end on. Meadows nearly getting getting wounded I by mean, Gunther Steiner. Exactly. Episode title right there. Wounded by Steiner. Right. <laughs> well, thanks very much, chaps. As ever, it's been a pleasure. Nate, I'm sorry I won't be seeing you in Abu Dhabi, but we will, I'm sure, catch up after the race and maybe do an in-person podcast at some point Ooh, before Christmas. That would be lovely. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Meadows, I look forward to seeing you very, very shortly. And thanks to everyone who is still listening. We appreciate you uh, listening to your podcast on wherever platform that you do. And for following us on our social channels at The Pad Hoc. You can read Meadows' work on Mesa.com, Nate's work on ESPN.com, and my work on F1.com. And we'll do this again very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Network.